Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, John Opoluski. And if you're watching by video, you may see a strange face also has joined us today. John, how are you today? Hey, Jim, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm glad that we could be together to record um, and excited about our, our subject matter today. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, the title of the this pod and the uh, next one, 201 and then 202, is So You're a Pastor's Kid. Um, I uh, I did not grow up in a pastor's home. Uh, I started in vocational ministry when I was 22 years old, and I was only about three months into that when I heard an acronym. For the first time in my life, I heard the acronym PK, and I had no idea what that acronym meant. Here's what it usually sounded like. Um, oh, well, you know, those PKs, they're a special sort of, and then insert the blank. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and I remember asking, what, what's a PK? You know, and so somebody had to explain the terminology to me that it meant pastor's kid. And yeah. uh, as a 22 year old, I actually didn't like the term that much. I, yeah. I still, I, I still don't care for it when it's used, obviously, when it's used in a derogatory manner. But I felt like back in all those decades ago that it was a broad brush point of view. You yeah. know, I, I discovered over time, I knew some pastor kids back then who were absolutely awesome. Right. And I also knew a few who were struggling with the spotlight. And so with that in mind, Jim, why don't you introduce our very special yeah. guest? So our, our special guest, he's like a son to me. Um First time I met him, he was naked and crying. But we're, we're gonna we're gonna skip all that. But ladies and gentlemen, let me let me introduce to you my prodigy. Uh, he's not a PK; he's a TO. He's theological offspring. My son, JD Weekend. How are you today, buddy? Oh, I'm doing awesome. Just sitting in an Ann Arbor coffee shop right now, uh, hoping I don't get kicked out <laughs> of a room because I walked into an empty room and hope that it's totally fine. So if yeah, at some point during so this podcast my background tends to change, don't worry. That was just something. <laughs> I'm just like the flash. I just move really quick. <laughs> Being evicted, right? So we have a saying at our home about permission and forgiveness. Maybe this is what you're, uh, maybe we can start with that. What, what was one of the, the key things you were raised with when it came to asking permission? Yeah. So that was something that I was raised with that has changed culturally over time, but it was uh, ask for forgiveness, not permission, especially when you're trying to get stuff done. And so <laughs> I saw an empty room and I walked into it. And I didn't ask anybody for permission. I looked at a board and it said that there was a meeting supposed to be taking in here, but it was scratched out and it said canceled. So yeah, in my mind, tell them your, opportunity to, that was before me. Tell them your, your name is canceled, canceled weekend, and, and it's been reserved exactly. for you. Exactly. There you go. Good. Right on. Good. So John, back to you. You got some questions to ask this young man. And as his father, I'm going to listen carefully to make sure I'm not vilified by any of them. Go ahead, JD. Be nice to me. <laughs> we'll see. Did he tell us? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, maybe uh, how did you come to Christ? You know, do you remember that experience? What was that like? Um, and then maybe a little bit after that about your calling. You know, like how did you get called into ministry? So actually, it's a two-parter. Uh, tell yeah. us a little bit about how you met Jesus, and then uh, when you sensed Him calling you to some sort of ministry. So, uh, yeah, I guess I can go on the entire history. Um, I, I can tell the story in a 20 minute version or I can tell the story in a five minute version. So do you, do you have a preference of which way you'd like Not me to tell five. it? 
Five. Okay, great. So, um, so I, I've known Jesus my entire life. Um, I've, I've been an active pursuer of Christ since, you know, the moment that I was uh, born basically. Um, and, uh, but I would say the first time that I truly ever experienced God was, uh, somewhere in fifth or seventh grade. I think it was sixth grade because that's easier to say, but somewhere in there. And I was in a youth service and there was an altar time at the end of service. And, uh, I remember sitting in the back of my friends hanging out. Like I didn't really want to participate because, you know, whatever, just common PK stuff. Right. So didn't really want to participate. I was too cool. I, my dad was a pastor. If anyone knew it was going wrong in my life, you know, and at that point it reflects poorly on him, all that stuff. Right. So I, just, I didn't want to go to the altar because of stuff like that. And so I had a, a youth leader come over to me and we had like a short conversation. And then he asked me a question. I'll never forget. He said, are you a leader? And I said, yeah. And he said, and then what are you doing in the back? Leaders lead from the front. And I was like, well, that's so dumb. I don't want to go to the front. I don't want anyone to know what I'm dealing with. I know all that stuff. And But ultimately, he talked me into it, right? So I walk up there and uh, the song How He Loves was playing. And at this point, it was a brand new song, right? And uh, and we had played the second verse, I think, six times. If I remember, it was six times. And on the first, second, third time, I was like, I don't really want to get into this. Fourth time is coming around. I'm like, you know, what about if I dig it into this? And then um, slowly but surely, fifth, sixth, seventh, I think honestly, eighth time, somewhere along those lines, uh, something happened that I can only call, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But at the time, all I could say was God just got bigger. There was there was no explanation for it. Just the box that God had been in from the time that I was, you know, born to the time that I was in sixth grade. All of a sudden, the parameters with which I viewed God had shifted. And so I decided this is real. And so I, uh, in sixth grade, I remember that was my, my coming to Christ moment. And from that moment on, I always said, I want to be a youth pastor. 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 Right. And then I was 18 years old and I went on a youth trip to Florida and I had a person that was there. uh, She wasn't my youth pastor, but she was a youth pastor. Um, historically she was my youth leader. And so I, uh, I, I was talking to her and she said, so you want to be a youth pastor, huh? And I said, absolutely, I do. I've wanted to be a youth pastor for the last six, seven years. That is my singular you know, goal in life is to be a youth pastor. And she said, well, let me ask you this question. Um, if you could hang out with anybody, who would you hang out with? And I told her like the list of friends and stuff like that. She said, okay, if you could do ministry with anybody, who would you do ministry with? And I was like, anybody that wants me to do ministry with them. I don't care if it's a, a, a six-year-old, a 12-year-old, a hundred-year-old. If a person wants me to do ministry in their life, then at that point, I want to be involved in their life. And she said, well, in that case, you're not a youth pastor. I said, what do you mean you're not a youth pastor? She said, you're not a youth pastor. You're just a pastor. Like, <laughs> you should go after like associate pastor because youth pastors want nothing more than to spend all of their time with youth students. She said, you just want to do ministry. So go find somewhere that you can do ministry. And so my goals shifted from the time that I was 18 to the time that I was 24, where I was doing marketing. I was doing video. I traveled all over the world telling mission stories. Um, I started my own organization that was called Engaged Community Organization, where we got a whole bunch of business leaders from our area together, all that stuff. And then I was 24 years old and I was looking for the next step of um, where should I take ECO to? That's what we call it, Engaged Community Organization. Uh, the acronym is ECO. And I was in a, uh, I was in a service in River Valley in Minnesota and, uh, uh, the pastor I've, I've been in, I've been in, um, ministry every year of my life. And at no point did I ever feel like the person from the stage was speaking directly to me. Right. I've been in a room where things were said that impacted me, but I've never felt like in a crowd of people, the pastor didn't even recognize anybody else in the room only recognize me. Right. 
And so he goes on stage and he says, there's somewhere, someone out there in the crowd right now who has a ministry calling on their life, who has been working with business leaders in their community. And God wants you to shift your heart towards the next generation of believers. And, it, but like, it was longer than that. And it was detailed. It was pinpointed. Wow. It was, it, it was, it was so detailed enough that in the row that I was in, I had everybody else on the opposite side of the road, look down and stare at me. Like, like <laughs> you would have to been blind, deaf and mute to not recognize that this calling was on you. Right. And so I, that was the moment that I called into a pastoral ministry where I started my youth ministry and now I am a next gen pastor. So I'm over everything, uh, nursery through 35 years old at Freedom Center Church. What a story. I love it. (laughs) Uh, JD, I've known you for, I've known you for, I don't know, five, six years and I've never heard the story and man, that is so amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, two things really stood out to me there. One, you said you experienced God. Yeah. And and that just leaped out at me that, you know, when it's all said and done uh, in terms of whether you're a PK or you're not a PK, man, experiencing God in a powerful way just seems to level it all out, right? And, and just put you in the right spot. And then this amazing way that God called you into youth ministry um it didn't unfold the way i think you had planned um not in the least bit (laughs) it did unfold i mean it was pretty amazing so awesome that is such a great uh, a great story jim uh what about you you got a question or a thought for yeah uh, so so i let's start with a positive like you're you're a to you know your theological offspring a pk for this purpose but what a like, tell us about that. What were some of the, the great things about being a PK? Now, remember, before you answer this, there's going to be probably some preacher's kids listening, but there's also going to be a lot of pastors listening. And I think I think there's still a negative connotation about being a, a labeled this. And I know you certainly experienced it, but what were some of the good things that you experienced just because your old man was a pastor? Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, one of the greatest things I got to experience was the world. Um, I feel like a lot of times people get too locked into their own communities and they don't actually get to experience other communities. Right. And so where we live in Michigan, uh, Flint is 20 minutes north of us. And where a lot of parents would say, don't go to the worst portions of Flint. You're not going to be safe. You said, let's go to Flint and let's take off our hoodies and give them to people who need it. Right. And so I had this experience that was more than just the, you know, for the average pastor, hundred people that are around me. Um, uh, but for our church, more than a thousand people that were around me. And so I got to experience a world that was not, um, restricted to just the four walls that my dad was pastoring in. Right. So I got to experience people in Rome. I got to experience people in Flint. I got to experience people. There was a time where I got sent down to Alabama to help out with tornado relief. And so I got to experience all these different things, um, all around the world, the, the highest, uh, highs and the lowest lows, um, and like in Rome, I was interviewing people who uh, had been bought out of the human trafficking, right? Um, and so seeing all all of that stuff um, and seeing God's handiwork and all that stuff is what allowed um, me to truly believe in Christ. So I would say that one of the biggest benefits was my exposure to the rest of the world, both dark sides and light sides. Um, but even more so than just that, my exposure to people, I've always loved people. Um, no matter how hard it is to love them, I've always loved people. Um, and so just my exposure to that was huge as a PK. Um, I'm trying to think about other great things. Uh, one thing that, that 
Um, I guess you taught me, and maybe this isn't a, a common pastor thing, but like if there was ever a funeral you're going to do, you, you saw a calling on me and you said, we're going to take you out of school. Let's go to this. Let's go to this funeral. Right. Yeah. Um, and where I feel like a lot of pastors almost feel like they have to do it by themselves. You invited me to almost be a pastor along with you. What's the story of me? I think I was like six years old and you put me at your desk. <laughs> you said, if anybody comes in here and needs counseling, you're going to give them these words. Yeah, we, we had a skate park out back and about once or twice a week, some kid was leading by ambulance with a concussion or a broken arm or whatever. So uh, somebody came and said, this guy's got two elbows and, and he's got to go to the hospital. Can you come back? And I said, I'll be right there. I said, JD, stay here. I, you're too little to, to see a deformity like that. So I said, sit behind my desk and you're the pastor. He said, well, dad, what do I do? And I said, it's very simple. This is all dad does all day long. Someone walks in, they have a problem. Listen to every word they say. And is there anything else? Is there anything else or anything else? And then look them right in the eye and go, huh, you know what? I think Jesus is your answer. And then pray with them and send them on their way. That's, that's all I do all day long. <laughs> so I went to the hospital. You stayed and pastored the church as a seven-year-old, 10-year-old, whoever it was. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that recipe for ministry probably has not changed, you know, in yeah. 30 years. Yeah, but even, even just that moment right there, right? Like, what's funny is as a seven-year-old, though, you take it seriously where you're like, I am going to be the pastor of this church, yeah. not knowing the totality of it at all. But uh, this is the other thing that I was going to throw in as a benefit is um, you allowed the other members of the church to pastor me. Um, yeah. You didn't believe it was your sole responsibility to, to pastor me. I got to see a Christian life walked out at home. But when I was at church, Pastor Jason, Pastor Josh, Brett Carlton, Caleb Hubbard, people like that were all completely allowed to pastor me. And oftentimes you didn't take my side. <laughs> you, no. you would make sure that you would get the full scope of the story. And then you would oftentimes take their side because you realized I was in the wrong and you would say, you need to pastor my kid. Right. <laughs> so like stuff like that, like, I think one of the reasons that PKs kind of have a difficult time is because they're at the church all the time. And so I feel like they can get away with a lot of things that they really shouldn't get away with. And you never let me get away with anything. <laughs> and so and you never let anybody else let me get away with anything either. Right. So that was, and, that was and another benefit that I had. To address that, one, one of the rules we were given from other people that raised great kids, John, they said, you know, to help us because we're going to raise preacher's kids. What do we what do we do? Kids, it was new, but let them preacher's kids. They said, never let them be treated better than they deserve or worse than they deserve, because both will create a monster. If they get treated worse because of the pastor's son or daughter, you create a monster. I think it treated better than everybody else. If the rule is no running in church, that doesn't matter what your last name is. It takes a village to raise a child. And everyone knew that, that we would protect them from being treated better and protect them from being treated worse. They would, that wasn't allowed. And I think, did you have like a youth sponsor come to you one time? I see something about, I would have expected better from you as the pastor. <laughs> yeah. and, and the pastor, the youth pastor corrected them and said, don't, don't do that to them. Don't treat them any better. Don't treat them any worse. Don't expect anything more. Don't expect anything less than you would anyone else or we'll, we'll create a monster. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that exact moment right there too, that you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so JD, that's really a great insight into some of the things that, that uh, were awesome as a, as a PK. And uh, I, I wonder what some of the challenges were for you. Are we talking about inner church or are we talking about outer church? Um, let's start in a church. Let's start there. And maybe we can take it uh, as a two part question. Yeah. So, so definitely hardest parts of being, um, in the church, I would say, and by the way, I would like to say too, this was more personal choice than it was expectation, but, um, the amount of time that I spent at the church, 
uh, it was almost like the church outweighed everything, right? Where it was like, um, if I had a soccer game, but something was happening at church, church overrode the soccer game. And so like, but after fifth grade, I never played soccer. I hated soccer. Soccer was the worst. And so I would choose the church over it, but I could see where in the average pastor's kid's mind, I love soccer. Soccer is excellent, right? But we have an outreach happening this morning. Therefore we have to be at the outreach as a family. And so there were certain times, like, so for instance, um, until three years ago, because we did a 4th of July thing, I had never seen fireworks. I had never sat down and watched a fireworks show my entire like life. And so I went to go see fireworks with my, at the time she was my, my girlfriend and her, uh, her family, because we decided not to do an outreach on this night. And I watched the fireworks and I was like, wow, those are so cool. And then we left and there, everyone else was like, wow, those fireworks were awful. I can't believe how bad those fireworks were. We were so far away. They weren't even cool. And I was like, those are awesome. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Then the next year I went and experienced fireworks and I was like, oh, okay, I see why you guys thought last year's weren't cool. But in my mind, because I had never even taken the time because we were always cleaning up, we were cleaning the entire building. We were serving people in some way. I didn't get to watch a fireworks show. So yeah. but by the way, I didn't know what I was missing out on. And by the way, fireworks aren't that cool. It's much cooler serving people than it is <laughs> watching fireworks. Um, but anyways, it's just one of those things where like, um, there were so many times that the church took precedence over mm-hmm. maybe other desires that I would have had. But granted, because I, I've always wanted to be a pastor since I can remember, it didn't feel like it was a burden to choose the church. So, but I can see where the average pastor kid would have a huge burden with that. So that would be my bigger, and oh, actually, this is one that I remember as a kid. I just remember this one right now. No friends were allowed over on Saturday nights. <laughs> that was the hard one because my parents had to make sure they got sleep. So we couldn't be loud downstairs. Friday nights, we were allowed to have every single person over that we could possibly imagine. Saturday nights, not a single person was allowed over because we had to get sleep for church. That was your older one. brother. Yeah, your older brother ruined that for you. Josh and them yep. all down there hanging out, laughing at midnight. It's like, I got to work tomorrow, guys. I, my boss makes me work on Sundays. And uh, yep. and they all, you know, dragging everybody's wagon out in the morning because they're all blurry eyed for being up till <laughs> two o'clock in the morning. So you can blame your brother for that piece of life. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's the only one that I remember being hard. But honestly, you guys never had a rule with me going to stay the night at somebody else's house Saturday night. Yeah. Just no one could come yeah. over on Saturday night. So I just made it a habit of Friday night, people come over to my house and Saturday night, I'd go over to other people's houses. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you ever feel like um, you had to measure up to a different standard of behavior? Uh, measure up, up now. Your, your dad's son? No, uh, the word measure up isn't necessarily correct. However, I did believe that everything that I said and did reflected on my dad. So um, I had a lot of struggles growing up when I was in high school, um, specifically all the friends that I had in elementary school for one reason or the next. One moved off to Arizona. One got really into girls. Another one got really into drinking. You know, like from the time that I was between my sophomore and junior year, a lot of junk hit the fan and I felt really, really alone. And I wasn't allowed to talk to, no, not, not that I wasn't allowed. My parents never put that expectation on me, but I put an expectation on myself that if I was struggling and leadership knew that I was struggling, then they wouldn't trust my parents to raise their kids or to pastor their kids. And so therefore I personally was not allowed to struggle because I didn't want anybody to leave the church. That, that was wow. a mentality that I had up until I was probably 20 when I started going to a therapy, maybe it was later than 20, 22 Ish. Yeah. When I started going to a therapist and I realized that my actions, like God is the greatest father of all time and Adam and Eve sent, right. you know? And so it's not like I had to be perfect in order for my parents to keep their jobs. Right. Because mm-hmm. I love my house. I love my friends. I love, and I didn't want them to leave. 
And so I didn't want to mess up, even if I was messing, even if I was dealing with random junk. And so that that was the expectation on me. I never had to live up to anybody else's expectation of me, but I did have to live up to an expectation of myself, which is that I had to be perfect, or at least I had to not be failing. I had to not be in sin. I had to not be in all of this stuff that later on in life, I found it was a complete lie. But I right. put that on myself. So some of the challenges were self-imposed. It sounds like that mm-hmm. you, you did that. What would you say to a, a pastor's kid who um, are, they're struggling with something like that? I mean, how do you how did you work your way through that? Now, you mentioned a little bit about it, but what advice or what would you tell somebody who's grown up in the home of a pastor who is doing that? I have to be X for my parents to keep their job, for people to think they're a good parent. For How would you advise them? Yeah. Well, so so this is probably the number one thing that I would advise them to do is get a really strong friendship with someone or get a really, really strong mentorship with someone, someone that you can trust, someone that you can rely on. As a pastor, the number one thing that I would say for a pastor to do for a kid is to get them to have a mentor outside of your four walls. Right. Um, because, for instance, I saw a therapist and I would have never talked to a therapist that attended our church because I don't want them to know anything more. But I got a therapist that lives in like Waterford or something like that. And I know he's not going to talk to anybody at the church about anything because he doesn't know anybody at the church about anything. And so I was free to talk to him about every situation, every sin, every heartache, everything that was like that. And I knew that it would never go anywhere. It was just between him and I because he didn't have a relationship with anybody else. So as a pastor, I would say the number one thing that you can do is get somebody in your kid's life who you trust and respect who is not an active attender of the church, because there's certain things that they're going to want to say that are not for your ears and are not for the ears of the rest of the church, but they are feeling it and they need to speak it to somebody. And so to have a trusted person that they can talk to is huge, especially someone who's outside of the church that doesn't know anybody else in their circle. So that's number one for pastors. Number two, if you're a pastor's kid, don't rely on everyone's sins. Like, I mean, it says in Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? Like we all have sinned. We all have problems. We all have things that we're struggling and dealing with. And so to believe that you're supposed to be the specialty out of all of this is a complete lie that the enemy wants you to rest in, right? I think it says in James, but it says confess your sins to one another so that you may be made whole or that you may be healed, right? It depends on which translation you're looking at. But if you're holding on to sin internally, that's because the enemy is consistently trying to get you to not be made whole and not be healed. And so therefore you were doing something that God never intended you to do, which is to live up to a certain level of, of expectation of perfection in who you are. <laughs> no one's perfect. No one's even close to perfect. Right. Yeah. So don't, don't believe that lie. Find someone, talk to someone, confess your sins, be open and honest about who you are, what you're going through, all of that stuff. And trust me when I say healing comes after that. Right. Oh, JD, what, what about, what about this one? So there, there's going to be people that are like in a congregation that have a, leadership there that have children what what advice would you give to the congregation maybe you couldn't have given it as a kid but you can now give it to to an elder a deacon you know somebody that's listening right now what advice would you give to the congregation about the the pastor's kids you know this is an interesting one because I, i would always just say don't expect anything more out of a pastor's kid than you expect out of a normal attender's kid Like, it's just, it is an unfair expectation. If you, one of the problems that I had growing up, I guess, and it was a minor problem, but I remember there was a setup team that was being created in youth and I didn't want to be a part of it. I had no interest in it. And someone came to me afterwards and said, wow, you'd think that the pastor's kid would want to be a part of a setup team to do ministry. And I I was like, 
No. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't want to be part of your setup team. I'm hanging out with my friends, but we're going to be walking to McDonald's. We're walking to, I think at the time there was a Wendy's. Um, there was a Culver's, but there's one now, right? And you're just walking all these different yeah. places. And so for me to give up an hour of hanging out with my friends, doing stuff that I enjoy to come with your setup team. No. And, and what was great too is my, like the pastor over that ministry never expected me to, to be part of the setup team. The you dad never expected me to be part. No, no one that was a higher up member had an expect and had an expectation to be part of setup team. But the leadership almost had an unfair expectation of me to want to be a part of everything, right? And uh, and so they would just put that title on me of, well, you're here anyways. You might as well go ahead and do it. That's like no, 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 no. That's not how this works. You got to chill. You got to. There is no actual need for me to be part of your ministry, so that way you look better as a leader. Because that's what they were trying to do was I look better as a leader if you're a part of my ministry. And I go, nope. Now, I had an expectation to be at youth services, right? Like, Because that's just a great expectation for you to have for any parent to have on any kid. It's a great expectation to have them do that, to do camp, to do youth convention, all of that stuff. That's a great expectation. But to be a part of your setup team and be a part of your Bible quiz team because you can't get enough people to do it. Like, no, don't do that. (laughs) That's such a bad idea. (laughs) No, no. no shadow casting on Bible quiz or Royal Rangers or anything else. No. But 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 we also say this. I, I think every kid has a has some say, right, into whether or not they want to participate in soccer or Bible quiz or Royal Rangers. And so yep. yeah, that was one of those things that wasn't mandatory because it didn't it didn't make sense. I, I see the other thing too. You're, you're a little bit different in that you were called to ministry from an early age. You knew that. Yeah. So skipping school to go <laughs> to a funeral. Uh, we should tell that story before we go, but to go to a funeral, that that was that was part of training. You, I promise you, you got more out of going to that funeral than you did learning about the history of French poetry and phys ed class because you've used neither yep. one of those since, right? But I, I remember, John, can I tell a quick story about him as a kid? Yeah, sure. Let's do so that. I, I forget what it was, but I, it's a nice summer day. He's going to stay at home. Like, come with me. I'm going to do a funeral put on some nice clothes. Dad, I don't want to say it's way up. And it's like, I've been sagging out. We'll, we'll put the top on the convertible. We'll cruise up. We'll get some ice cream. Finally talked him into it. So he came, but this is his one requirement. I don't want to see any dead people. So I'm going to a funeral. I said, you're going to stay in the fireway. Just hang on the fireway, eat the mints. It'll, it'll be fine. We get to this shady funeral home in Saginaw. I don't know the name of it, but it was shady. And, and you like, I didn't want my kid anywhere near it. So I said, once you come in, and and just sit here on this couch. So he's sitting there on the couch. The funeral's about to start in like three minutes. He looks to his, I'm not on his right. So he's looking at me the whole time. Finally, I stopped saying something. He looks to his left and he sees the casket. He goes really loud. It's a, it's a room full of mourning people. And this 10 year old goes, dad, is that the dead guy? That, that guy's dead. You don't have to see any dead people. Like just Jenny stops. So anyway, it was, uh, you know, I think there's some neat, um, interesting, wonderful things that have happened. If I were an engineer for Ford, would have never happened. If I was a garbage collector or a carpenter, he got exposed to a lot of great things. And you know, truth be told, that was not the last guy, dead guy he ever saw. He's he's been involved in more death than anybody his age that I know that isn't a combat soldier. So it's it all turned out. The, the thing is, I'd say this: JD, did we or did we not have fun? Oh, we had so much fun every trip we went on. Yes, yeah. And and if anybody tried to mess that up by trying to make him something he wasn't. Or something that he he was that he needed to be more of. Just we just we just said don't do it. Let let our kids be our kids. And it wasn't until our was it our tenth anniversary at the church that Dave Carlton called everybody on the platform. No one even knew they were our kids. Like that was one of our rules. Is they 
they can be anonymous if they want to. Their friends knew who they were, but nobody else. The church was growing, so nobody knew who our kids were. And one of the deacons said, oh, would the whole family come up on the stage? And at that point, there are people that realized for the first time that those were our children. So let them be kids. Let them, let them be kids. Let them enjoy. And the family has expectations and culture. But I think that's about all we have time for. Jenny, you got yeah. time to stick around to maybe a, another one of these? Yeah, I, I for sure have to be out of this room by uh, one o'clock. Is that you're not one o'clock by two o'clock because they have another meeting coming in. <laughs> so right. yeah. So let's do this then, John. Any any closing words? Nope. Close this up. All yeah. right. We hope this has been helpful to you, and we hope that you've heard that you can um, you can love your family even in a pastor's home, and your family can love being in a pastor's home. Know who your kids are. Help them become that. Don't make them suffer you know, the expectations that are unrealistic. Don't make them suffer the history of French poetry and geometry if that's not where they're going. You know, figure out who they are, lead them in that direction and and protect that identity and reinforce it over and over again and, and you're going to do great. Uh, if we can help you in any way with your kids uh, or the counselor that JD's talking about or anything else, we would, we would love, love, love to help you because if you succeed in every area and fail at home, it's hard to look back at your life and, and feel like you've succeeded. We want you to lead well, to lead long, and to really enjoy yourself. So God bless you, our dear watchers and listeners. We are praying for you. We're here for you at convergecoach.com. Anything we can do for you, consider our the, the answer to the question to be yes. God bless you as you continue to lead from a line.